Thank you, Iowa. Congratulations to tonight's honorees and welcome to my fellow candidates, whom I consider we are all a part of being the Avengers. The Republicans in 2016, that was the Hunger Games. He promised health care and then he tried to rip health care away from millions of people. What's that called? Health care fraud. He said he was for working people, then he passed a tax bill benefiting the top 1% and the biggest corporations in this country. That's tax fraud. He believes the president of Russia and a North Korean dictator over the word of the American intelligence community. Securities fraud. And then he claims to be the best president we've seen in a generation. Well, I say let's call Barack Obama because that's identity fraud. I'm running for president because we can't take four more years of Donald Trump. We are for every American having access to health care. And make no mistake, abortion is health care and health care is a right, not a privilege. The days of dismissing maternal mortality or adoption rights or paid leave or affordable daycare or universal pre-K or equal pay for equal white right work is just a woman's issue. Those days are long gone. When I saw the program for today, I thought the same thing you all did, which is this. Joe Biden must really not like to travel. And I am the man for that job because the opposite of Donald Trump is an Asian man who likes math. Thank you very much, Iowa. Love you all. Thank you. All right, there you have your crop of 2020 candidates in uh, Iowa over the weekend. Some of it very entertaining. And you have an Iowa poll out that shows uh, Joe Biden leading with Sanders. But Warren and Mayor Pete Buttigieg are gaining a little bit of traction in in at least that state. And uh, the Democrats on Democratic attacks now have begun. Who's liberal enough? Who's more radical the most radical to take on Donald Trump and the only one that took a, you know, a realistic view of beating Donald Trump being hard was Bernie Sanders, which is pretty interesting. And of course, Biden was nowhere to be found. Um, So you have almost even with Biden, Warren is surging in the Iowa poll. Not sure what that means. Uh, We do have news of the big announcement and accomplishment that, of course, uh, Mayor Pete never really wants to talk about, apparently, because he was able to coax the city of 4,500 undocumented immigrants in South Bend, uh, Indiana, uh, out of the shadows and help them access services in South Bend. And what he ended up doing was a first of its kind, governmentally endorsed, privately run program that he could tout on the campaign trail where illegal immigrants... um, He's out there. He set up a system to make it work. He signed an executive order requiring local services and institutions and law enforcement and schools and water utility and libraries to accept what is a card uh, put together by a nonprofit saying that they are a community resident. So meaning legalizing them without really legalizing them. Anyway, here to look at where do we stand? Where are the polls? What do they mean? We have John McLaughlin, pollster, strategist, and Matt Towery is with us. He says he's retired, but then he send me, sends me these great notes on polling that uh, I keep saying to him, you know, we're dragging you back to work every day, whether you like it or not. And last week sent a really interesting note as he looks at the president and all the recent polls about him. And, and you have the same perception that I do. You don't think the president polls like any conventional politician. You think he's about five points higher than what is coming out in the numbers, uh, but you see the president beginning to surge and you think there's a reason for it. What is it? Yeah, I, I do, Sean. Um, first of all, greetings from the other state of Florida where we're having a little rain today. Uh, I think he's surging for various reasons. First of all, let me give you an example. Here in Florida, I had dinner with the chairman of the Republican Party, um, Joe Gruters, uh, who you know, over the weekend, and I feel really good about Florida, which I didn't feel good about uh, four years ago. Uh, so there's certain areas where the president's surging. I don't think the media picks it up. But on a national level, I'm beginning to see, and I'm sure John's seeing this, the president's numbers, and these numbers are off because they overly rely on cell phones, as I told you before, and that leans heavily to the left. A lot of reasons, the, the, the fact that they don't wake them properly, the president's usually about three points ahead of where he shows. But the, what I'm seeing is the president is beginning to see a consolidation in his numbers. He's drifting upward. 
Most of this nonsense is now out of the way, no matter how much they try to push impeachment and the like. And think about this. There's a theme that's beginning to emerge. The president seems to be fighting for the American people. Let's use Mexico as an example. This morning, you had a guy named Mr. Brilliant from the U.S. Chamber who decided to get on and lecture the president about not using tariffs in order to um, bring about what, what we want in terms of border security. Well, the president took him right on immediately. So you have a president who appears to be fighting for the public and for the American people, and then you have all of these self-interests, whether they're on the Republican side or Democratic side or these candidates carping about issues that people don't really care about when you look at the polls. It's just a complete dichotomy. And the president now, you're beginning to see people who didn't support Donald Trump are beginning to say, forget it. The economy's great. What he does works. I may not like watching the, the, uh, the sausage being made, but the results are fantastic. And those numbers are coming home for Donald Trump. And the thing is, is did the president lose any voters from 2016? I think that's something we're going to have to look at. And then we always have the main question, which is, are we better off than we were four years ago? It, well, if the election were held today, uh, the records economically speak for themselves. Uh, if, say if it's somebody like Biden, you get to compare and contrast eight years of their economic record. Uh, if you want to talk about Russia and impeachment, all of this deep state, these deep state shenanigans happened under Biden, Obama. Um, and then if you look at the more radical Democrats that want the new Green Deal and they want to impeach Trump and they want a fifth investigation into Trump-Russia collusion that didn't happen, John McLaughlin, well, I think people perceive that for what it is. And that's that's pure politics, putting themselves and their desire for power over serving their constituents. And I don't think that's ever a good strategy. Uh, no, it's not. And And as Matt was saying, the president's number, he's grinding up. I mean, he gave a great State of the Union back in February. His policies were outlined. People who saw that were overwhelmingly favorable to him. And the Democrats are doing their best to get him off track. And it's real, real clear that Mueller, you know, basically that report came out, exonerated the president, said there was no collusion, and it was the biggest myth going. And you've got a straight shooter like Bill Barr as AG, who's who's really a true law enforcement professional, a, a, a Justice Department professional, saying, now, we need to get to the bottom of where this started and how did this come about? Because it's all it's been has been an attempt to stop the president from moving ahead, from raising his job approval. And as Matt has pointed out, last month we had him at 47 percent job approval. Rasmussen, the ones who poll likely voters, we've got him in the high 40s. And actually, if you look at those people that say, I may not like his style sometimes, but I like his policies, he goes over 50 percent. And and the president but, is but most of your career, mm -hmm. you you've had a certain level of clientele at different times that you recognize will never poll well. Right. Uh, uh, one you, well, years it, ago when you did Jesse Helms or you do Prime ago. Minister Netanyahu, you right. do you do the president. These are not people that that poll traditionally. Because they're not traditional candidates in many ways. Well, first of all, you can't trust the media polls and a lot of these exit polls because they're not like Matt's polls or my polls where you're really looking at voters. And then once you get by that and you're looking at it, yes, there's things in the polls that say these people that are undecided aren't really undecided. Gee, they look like Trump voters. And there's what what we've called a hidden vote. It's really not hidden if you can analyze a poll. You can see that they like the president, they like his policies. And now what's going on is Joe Biden, their front runner. There's a poll, Des Moines Register poll. He's only at 24 percent in the Iowa Iowa Des Moines Register poll. Caucus goers have to show up in Iowa for four hours, go through the rules, all that. You know, you just may not want to stand there for that, all that pressure with Biden. And all of a sudden, the ones who are really zealots, whether it's Sanders, Warren, Buttigieg, and there'll be more coming, are picking them apart. And once they start picking them apart, it's only June. They haven't even had one debate yet. There's a gauntlet ahead for Joe Biden, and the president looks very good up against this derangement derby where their policies of extreme liberalism, socialism, and really a breakdown of, of values where they, they, they just abhor anything American and they want to apologize for anything good that we've done. I See, mean, the I president think all of this is going to come into play. I think even the, the issue of the borders, you know, Bozo, Beto, Robert Francis wants all the walls that already have been built taken down. Um, then you have others saying walls are immoral. Then we've got a crisis at our southern border. Then people now have benefited from the tax cuts. I mean, I mean, when you have record low unemployment for African-Americans and Asian-Americans and women in the workplace and youth unemployment 
and the economy's humming and we have peace and prosperity abroad. The president successfully brought Mexico to its knees. They capitulated out of the fear that the president meant what he said when he said he was going to impose a tariff. Um, so that's another win for him. Uh, meanwhile, other Republicans don't seem to understand that. Like it's like Matt, they've never negotiated a deal in their life for crying out loud. Well, it's it's here's the thing. I can sit here this far out, and, and every word that John said, I agree with every single word. And he's been right. around for a long time. We've known each other. He's an decades. old man. We all know that. <laughs> hey, well, today's I, my I'm birthday too. Yeah, see, <laughs> like, you're even oh. older today than yesterday. <laughs> so, but I will say this: I believe Donald Trump will be reelected. And I believe there's only one state that worries me, believe it or not, Sean, and you'll be shocked when I say it. Georgia worries me immensely because Why? that state, because of demographics, it has nothing to do with Stacey Abrams, has nothing to do with policy. But the demographic shift in that state is not, is not, in, is not our friends. We're going to have to work extra hard in Georgia and North Carolina to an extent because it blends over. And I'm sort of a North Carolina, Georgia, Florida expert. Beyond that, I leave it all to John because he's the expert. <laughs> But, but what, I, what I could tell you is, even with those problems lying out there, right now, I feel so confident in saying that I expect the president to be reelected. And not only do I expect him to be reelected, I think he's going to carry states that we don't even see on the radar right now, because you're going to have a Nixon-McGovern-style, Mondale-Reagan-style election in which the other side goes so far to the left and looks so crazy that we pick up states that we're not even looking at. Maybe maybe John is because he's actively out there every day. But I wouldn't name them, but I think they're going to be there. And we're going to be really shocked. And the Democrats are really going to be shocked when they look at the results in this next election. All right, it's John McLaughlin's birthday today. I don't know <laughs> if that means he should get the first or last cool. question. All right, so, you know, is it going to help Democrats in California when they're going to give health benefits for illegal immigrants which is their new proposal like it's the proposal of comrade de blasio in new york or the wealth tax of elizabeth warren or the 70 percent uh personal income tax rate the 90 percent corporate rate is this going to sell overall because that's pretty much where every democrat is absolutely not it's not going to sell and and if they think that that's a way to reclaim the working middle class back from uh, uh, the pre back from President Trump. They're absolutely wrong because there's one thing people in America don't like. Because last time, four years ago, we were appealing to people who were like one paycheck away from disaster. We got working class voters, whether it was the Rust Belt or the Sun Belt, they came out of the heartland to vote for the president. Now they're not only talking about turning things back, they're talking about raising uh, taxes on them to pay for things for people that are here illegally that don't even vote and and maybe they'll let them vote I don't know but there it's it's going to cause a a real middle class backlash against the democratic party and I don't know what they think they can do where they're promising free to some everybody and and the actual working taxpayers don't believe it so let me get a final thought Matt Towery well I I think that I mean you you mentioned earlier of course any election comes down to the very last day so my predictions although I feel strong about them anything can happen that said this election will turn out to be a couple of things. One, turnout, obviously. That's always the major driving force. How motivated are, are the various sides? I think in the end you're going to have a lot of people with Biden didn't get the nomination. You have a more extremist candidate, which I, I thoroughly expect to emerge. You're not going to have that middle class, that, that, that sort of swing vote that the Democrats relied on in the past. They're not going to be motivated to turn out the polls in huge numbers. And if you don't have an African-American uh, nominated, historically we've seen that, no matter what they say, you don't have the demographic push that you saw with Barack Obama. With President Trump, the intensity is just over the top. And I expect that intensity to continue to grow as now he's not under assault every day on this impeachment nonsense and the Mueller investigation and the shoe ends up on the other foot and the other side is on the defense. All right. Thank you both for being with us as we get a snapshot view going to start counting down the days to 2020 and it's going to come fast and uh watching these people form their circular firing squad in iowa this weekend was pretty entertaining and you know i just read this book and i am actually amazed at people that can do something that is really hard to do like when i talk about religion and you talk about your faith you know, I, I don't talk about it in terms of I was raised Catholic, but I really consider myself a Christian. And I've gotten to know the Robertson family. And remember, th this show is such a massive hit that they have, Duck Dynasty. And at the end of every episode, they would pray. And the America took to it. They loved it. 
because that is a big part of this country. This country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles or biblical principles, if you will, Old New Testament. And it's amazing how good the American people are. We, We remembered the brave Americans in this nation joining the fight and the world needed us and all the blood and sacrifice of others. Amazing. You know, the good book says there's no greater love hath a man than to lay down his life for another. Think of those guys slamming the beaches, Omaha Beach and, and the beaches of Normandy, you know, and how many knew they were going to their death, but they did it anyway. And the whole story of Christ, you know, on a cross, the one perfect human being, and that was his purpose. And he knew it was coming and humiliated and spit at and beaten to near death and murdered on a cross for the purpose of reconciling man to God, the creator. And I don't know how anyone can be an atheist if putting all religion aside for a second, how can you look at the majesty of creation and see universes within universes within universes within universes and the sun and the stars and the planets and the moon and the sky and, you know, all of the the world of nature before us and the magnitude and, and specificity and the of a lion, a leopard, a a giraffe, a rhinoceros, an elephant, a dog, a cat, and, you know, through human beings, which are imperfect, obviously, you know, down to the littlest, you know, insects you barely discern. Pretty amazing. Just gravity alone. How people believe that there was a big bang, and my question, well, where did the bang come from? Where did the energy for the bang come from if you don't believe there's a a greater being? Anyway, but it goes further, because... In that moment, Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do, for people that kill them. And I don't think I'm the greatest forgiver in life, I'll be honest. I, uh, you know, people can get off my list pretty quick, and I think Linda's worse than me. Uh, You get on her hate list, God help you. You know, she's going to keep that high heel on your neck for a long time, from what I can see. But there's a new book by Alan Lisa Robertson, it's called Desperate Forgiveness, and it was uh, just released, and it's about this topic. And they tell stories about the Columbine victim's daughter was in the news because she's now friends with and meets regularly with the mother of one of the school shooters or Steve Scalise, House Republican uh, majority majority leader, uh, minority leader, rather, making headlines discussing his road to forgiveness when he was shot on that bald field and so many other examples. Anyway, Alan Lisa of Duck Dynasty fame are with us. How are you guys? Hey, we're doing great, Sean. And, by the way, and I forgive, I forgive, I forgive the patriarch Phil Robinson for wanting to <laughs> baptize me in a swamp full of alligators. I said no. He wants to. He wants to make it as difficult as possible. No doubt. But see, you're already you're already in the spirit of desperate forgiveness because you got it. And by the way, we gave a book to Linda as well. And see, I didn't know what you just said. Oh no, no, L- see, Linda has a hate list. Linda, you gotta you gotta come. <laughs> Straight here. You need to tell them what happens if you get off the list. If you get on that list, you're dead. I mean, it's a very, uh, it's a short list. It's under 20 people. <laughs> short um, list under 20 people that listen, you won't forgive. I love Alan Lisa. What? And I told them when they were here, I was like, you guys are awesome. First of all, Lisa awesome. is like gorgeous. And she doesn't look like she could be old enough to have written a book with this much information and knowledge. So bless your heart. And, you know, they are just the most lovely people. And I said, are you writing a book on what? Forgiveness. I'm like, God bless you. Because I just, you know, my whole thing is, I, yeah, I forgive you, but I also won't ever want to talk to you again. I just never do. By the way, is that a fair thing if you can forgive somebody, but you don't want anything to do with them? Well, look, we say in the book, Sean, that you can ha- you can forgive people that you don't necessarily continue a relationship with. It happens all the time. Uh, you know, an ex-spouse or someone else, that, that it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense to have a continued relationship. But when you can extend forgiveness in your own heart... Then you release them continuing to hurt you and cause bitterness. That's the key uh, for you. Forgiveness is as much for us as it is for some other person. So you could, like, just forgive somebody, but you know what? But we're done. I, You know, Lisa, does that make sense? Or Well, sure it does. If they hurt you bad enough, I mean, it's that way with, you know, with a family member that uh, molested me as a child. I've forgiven him, but I have nothing to do with him. And on this side of heaven, that relationship's not going to be restored. But, you know, hopefully one day in heaven, that relationship will be um, as, you know, as a family member should be. What you're really saying to me and what I'm hearing is that if you hate somebody and you hold on to it, you're really hurting yourself as much, if not more, than the other person. Exactly. It's the, it's the way that bitterness works. The Bible says that bitter, 
a bitter root sets up. Hey, hang on one second. Linda, you need to pay very close attention at I'm this point. I'm listening. Okay. <laughs> you look distracted for a second. Never. When, when, our, when a bitter root sets up in your heart, it causes trouble and defiles many. And that defilement starts with you because it, and then it's inseparate. It goes in every part of your life. And it can really ruin people. I mean, you have people that can't get past things. You know, it, and like Lisa described, we talk about in the book, she was she was molested. Obviously, that had a huge impact not only on her, but also our family, our marriage. And yet, finally, when she was able to release that to God, we still don't want to be around this man. I don't want my kids or grandkids around him, but at the same time, now he holds no more sway over her or us. And that's the key to what forgiveness does. You know, I, I, I think I hear you, and I think I understand it completely, and... Um, don't people that you forgive, don't they have to really want to change? Don't they have to want to make the, the move? The, like, for example, say, all right, I can forgive you, but you need to, you need to do A, B, and C for yourself or for us to have a relationship in any way. You know, I don't know, um, either a personal relationship or whatever. Well, sure. If you're going to have a relationship with them, then, you know, change has to occur. But, you know, if you choose to not have that relationship with them, then then they can do whatever they want to. If they decide to not ever change, they don't ever have to. But it it's what it does within you. It releases you uh, as being a victim. So you're no longer a victim, you know, of, of their um, hate and what they have done to you. What about people when they ask for forgiveness? They go, well, if I hurt you in any way, I'm sorry. That That's doesn't sound really. like That's an apology <laughs> to me. <laughs> That's not an apology. No, it's not. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you have to say, you know what, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, like Linda had to tell me the other day that she was sorry she shushed me in the middle of a conversation. Oh, really? I think, I think you flipped the script on that one, my brother. I, I'm pretty sure like that was big, the other way around. As if, as if shushing somebody is worthy of an apology. I mean, so it's Alan, Lisa, what actually happened was he shushed me in a meeting with people we were meeting for the because first time. Because she was distracting from the entire meeting. I said, you shush, let me finish. He was interrupting me. That was rude. And you know what? I forgave him. <laughs> That's you know very what, good of you, know Linda. Thank you, my friend. It just, it, it just occurred to me that, you, Linda, you're like Sean's work wife. Indeed I oh, am. Great. A, great. Yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it now. No, okay, great. Um, no, she she thinks that the name of the show is the Linda McLaughlin Show. Sometimes. I do not. Come on. And, and, and she thinks we can survive a day without her, and we do fine without her. Uh, first of all, you do not do fine without yes, me. You do. do better with me. You do all. Uh, all right without okay, me. Well, you always do better with you, but you can go away and stop being neurotic and calling and obsessing. <laughs> so, Alan, Lisa, where can we find out more about your book and where can folks get it? You can uh, <laughs> you can get it on all the typical book sources, uh, Amazon. Amazon.com. We'll put it up on bo- Hannity.com, bookstores everywhere. And, all right, last, last exactly. question. Why does Phil... Now, I've watched Duck Dynasty. The Swamp outside of his trailer, and it is a trailer, and he needs a new <laughs> chair. It's disgusting. The swamp has real alligators in it. Why it would he ever? And I read a story about a pastor that died and was killed and eaten by an alligator. Why would he ever want to take me out in that swamp and baptize me there? Well, I don't. He hasn't said for sure, but it may be Sean. He's thinking you've got enough stuff in, going on in the past that he that he wants you to have the full count of the cost before you make that move. And so a dangerous path might be the best way for you. You know, you are you are pretty much you are pretty much in the crosshairs of, of a lot of people. So you're you're a dangerous man. I don't think those alligators would stand a chance with Sean Hannity. I'm gonna say you're there on I ain't going in there without a number of guns in my hand that are gonna work underwater. Uh, well, all right guys. Al Lisa, it was great to see you when you all were up in town and I hope Linda paid very close attention to today's Bible lesson. I did indeed and I will buy their book. And by the God way, the book you, is called you too, Al. Forgiveness, Hannity.com, Amazon.com, bookstores everywhere. Thanks for being with us. Has, has Mexico done enough to avoid tariffs, which will be imposed in some six days from now? No, we haven't and, started yet. And and But the threat is out there. Uh, yeah, the threat is out there, but we haven't really started yet. No, this will take effect next week, and, and what 5%. Do you, and what do you think of Republicans who say that they may take action to block you imposing those tariffs? No, I don't think they will do that. I think if they do, it's foolish. Uh, there's nothing more important than borders. But our laws are bad because the Democrats don't want to pass laws that could be passed in 15 minutes, that could be passed quickly. 
In one day, it could change. But even beyond the laws, Mexico shouldn't allow millions of people to try and enter our country. And they could stop it very quickly. And I think they will. And if they won't, we're going to put tariffs on. And every month, those tariffs go from 5% to 10% to 15% to 20% and then to 25%. And what will happen then is all of those companies that have left our country and gone to Mexico are going to be coming back to us. And that's okay. That's okay. And our policy can be summed up in three very simple words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. The United States economy created another 260,000 jobs last month. Way, way, way above what people thought. They were making predictions much lower than the big one. They were thinking about 1%, 1.2%, maybe 1.5%. And our growth number came in for the first quarter, which is almost always the lowest quarter of the year, historically. 3.2%, crushing expectations. A lot of surprised people. I wasn't surprised. Since the election, we've created nearly 6 million new jobs, including more than half a million manufacturing jobs and nearly 700,000 new construction jobs. Unemployment just reached the lowest rate in more than 50 years. The women's unemployment rate is the lowest in more than 65 years and soon will be a record number. Women, women. Remember last election? Oh, he's going to do so bad with women. I did great with women. Oh, there it is. The the best job market since 1969. We now have almost 2 million more jobs than we have people on unemployment. And just in case you're interested, record low unemployment now for African-Americans, Asian-Americans, Uh, Hispanic Americans, women in the workforce, and youth unemployment is at a 50-year low. The best economy that we have had in a long, long time. Anyway, uh, more than 4 million workers got direct bonuses. You see economic growth on an unprecedented scale. Anyway, joining us now is Austin Goolsby, and he doesn't understand uh, any of this uh, because he was – the economic advisor on the economic advisory board for Barack Obama. Obama gave us 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, the worst recovery since the 40s, lowest homeownership rate in 51 years, the only president never to reach 3% GDP growth in his entire eight years as president, and he took on more debt than every other president before him combined, all 43 presidents before him combined. Now, Austin's going to say that Trump's economic success the last two and a half years is because of Obama. Obama had eight years, and he never had any of this success. Hi, Austin. You know, I was going to feel bad about myself and say, how could I be so dumb? But then I remembered that sitting right here in my hand is a football that says, you are a great American, and it's time, Sean Hannity. And you know, I feel better about myself. Well, you should feel better about yourself, because you know what? In spite of your policies, America's back better, stronger than ever. And not only that, we're not even dropping a, a penny, never mind $150 billion on a tarmac for mullahs in Iran that chant death to America. I mean, I think... Oh, no, now we're back on that again. Look, oh, well, well, Sean, back- I will never root against the economy, cheer something bad in the economy. I think it's great that the economy is doing well. I was a little nervous. I hope it's a blip that yesterday they just put out an estimate of the monthly jobs numbers, and it was the worst job growth in nine years. I hope that's just a blip. I want the economy to do great. I will observe that we are about to become the longest expansion ever on record. We will have added 20 million jobs. 14 of those million were under Obama. Six million are under Trump so far. Hats off to both of them. Uh, the problem is, is that it all happened in the Trump years. 
Now, they did it, it. I just told you, fourteen of the twenty million were in the Obama years. Okay, but now, you can't escape you, 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 more years. Why do you try and escape your eight-year record? I'm not trying to escape Trump's record. No, yeah. Okay, because you point out. You point out. May we had a bit of a slowdown in job creation, but we still have a net positive job creation. We're almost at full and complete employment to the point right. where we have. That's great. That, and what's happening is. Because of deregulation, lower taxes, uh, and now the president, with a, we're energy independent for the first time in 75 years, no thanks to Biden, Obama, and we're now a net, we're now a net it, exporter. It started under Obama. No, it did it not is. start under Obama. Of course Obama, it did. No, it, of course it didn't. Domestic he didn't support. He didn't support the. He Obama. doesn't support fracking. He doesn't support the the Keystone at, uh, pipeline. He didn't support the Dakota pipeline. The, the Keystone pipeline has done nothing about that. Excuse me. The president is now continuing. And he opened the Anwar. Pipeline is about producing in Canada. Well, let, the next thing. Well, let me guess. Market. You're a, you're a new Green Deal guy, aren't you? You really believe? I, I am. I'm not that big of a new Green Deal guy, and the the AOC version is is not my thing. But I know a bit about fracking and oil because my parents live out in West Texas, right on the edge of the Permian Basin. So so I do have some exposure on that. Okay, so here's the bottom line. America is back economically. America is stronger abroad. America now has gotten rid of burdensome regulations for business. We had the lowest tax cuts. We have record low unemployment for the groups that were disproportionately negatively impacted in the Obama years. We have millions of Americans off of food stamps that were put on there by the Obama-Biden policies and millions more uh, that were in poverty that came out of poverty. So I would say... Uh, if you're going to grade, and I know you're a professor, uh, Donald Trump's economy, you'd give him an A, and the Biden-Obama failure, you'd probably give them an F. <laughs> Look, John, I told you, we, we're in the longest recovery. Next month will become the longest recovery ever, and there's nothing wrong. I am, I am willing to say that the, the economy has continued to improve bringing its level to a very nice level, especially in the job market under President Trump. And there, you shouldn't have to try to go back and change history from the fact that thus far most of this recovery and the entire turnaround from the epically worst economy of our lifetimes to one that was dramatically improving. You know, I really, I really kind of love. Okay, I love how I, I love how you Obama Biden supporters are. You something? I'm saying I'm not criticizing. President Trump. Okay. I'm not emphasizing. I know you that. Cherry picked the best things, and you chose none of the worst things of the Trump. There's economy. nothing. There's nothing and bad not about the Trump though. economy. That's the point. You see, this is what well, you, you said. You, no, no, no. You you, you, you can't have it both wanna, ways. Why? Why would you invite us to get into a fight about? Whether there is because you defend not good in the economy, you defend you really socialism, redistribution. What are you talking about? I'm talking I'm about the Obama economy, sir. All right. So here's the here's the deal. So if you support Obama's economy, you believe that you inherited the worst economy ever, and that you have your okay, that's true. And then for eight years, you have the worst recovery since the 40s. And no, that and hang on, hang on. Even worse than the so, last recovery. And then okay. well, hold on. So you take no responsibility for the eight years you're in office, and then you take the Trump economy and you grab credit for that. I mean it's Not kind correct. of a, a stunning, you know, circular no, argument. One hundred percent true legit. I don't want to count the first year of declines, of big increases in unemployment, of all of the problems that were clearly started before President okay. Obama took off. We heard that and for I years. I don't want to give President Trump much credit for his first year in office either, because those were things that were clearly going before he got there. But other than that, I'm totally fine with saying that we had a dramatic turnaround and a substantial improvement of the economy under Obama. 
President Trump received how, how, how can you say that best economies that a new president has received in the All right, last let me century. ask you this how can and you say that to do how well. can you say that when it was the worst recovery since the 40s how it can wasn't, let me finish wasn't even the worst yes it was the last how can recovery. you say that when all of these people suffered under the Obama economy and all of a sudden we change course, we change policy, we get rid of regulation, we drop the tax base. The president incentivizes, he brings in industry and says, what do we need to remove that is stifling your business growth and your willingness to invest in, in factories and manufacturing centers? And he opens the door, paves the way, personally negotiates all of these, these with all of these companies to, that they the build in America. plant that he personally negotiates to keep open and then shuts down. Oh, okay. You know, there's nothing. You know what? If Donald Trump cured cancer in your world, you'd give credit to Obama. No, Sean. There's nothing. I there's nothing. Multiple times. You I'm cherry pick what you said. To President Trump, that the economy has continued to do well, aye, and aye, I give aye. him credit. We've got 20 million jobs added in the recovery, 14 million under Obama, six million under Trump so far. I hope he doesn't have a second term. You hope he does have a second term. Okay, so who do you want? Who would you like? Both of them. That's who would you? I'm not buying your arguments because when you look at it, at the end of the day, he accumulated more debt. He never reached three percent GDP growth. Donald Trump is on. Excuse me. Accumulate debt faster than Obama did. Excuse me. He never achieved three percent GDP growth for a single year of his presidency. Trump. President Trump, 2018, three point one. Percent. No, 2.9%. 3.1% adjusted. Correct. Yes, sir. I have the Bureau of Economic Analysis data. Oh, right yeah. Well, you need to the get the updated CDP data. I need to. For last year was 2.9%. So here's my next question Who do you want to run? Who do you want to get the nomination now? Crazy, sleepy, creepy Uncle Joe, or who? <laughs> I I think I want Beto O'Rourke. Now you want I, I got a bias. Robert bias, Francis Texas O'Rourke. bias. You know that. And what is Robert Francis O'Rourke supporting that you like? Because I think I remember him supporting the New Green Deal. Not it was a different version. Um, a different that. version. Quick break. More with Austin Goolsby on the other side. And as we continue with Austin, Austin Goolsby makes up facts as he goes. Okay, here's the new Green Deal. Tell me what parts of the new Green Deal you agree with and disagree with. Uh, the new Green Deal will eliminate oil and gas within 10 years, the lifeblood no, of our... No, 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 wait a minute. Excuse me. I told you. I have it in front of me. of that one, but it doesn't eliminate it. Excuse me. In 10 years... We would... No, what it says... 10 years. ...is in 10 years, you're correct about the 10 years. That's correct. But what it says... Is that cost, what it's aiming for is that the cost of renewables would be so low that within 10 years, people would choose not to use. No, there wasn't any choice in the, no. It is not a ban. ban. That is not correct. Okay. So we're going to get rid of oil, gas, the combustion engine. Do you want to keep the combustion engine or get rid of the combustion engine? (laughs) I am fine with keeping the combustion engine. Okay. Now, are you a big believer that everything should be free, that we have a guaranteed job, guaranteed vacation, guaranteed retirement, guaranteed health care? As it moves into the people who don't want to work should be given a universal basic income and, and whether you no, that's the, you you're, you're getting ahead of yourself. That's when it reads whether you're willing or unwilling to work. You still get all the benefits. Yeah, that, that's what they're, they're, and you have that a problem a with that sheet. That wasn't in the bill. That was like somebody's quote okay, unquote fact sheet describing. No, no, no. That thing. was the author's fact no, sheet on what the, the author's bi- staff fact sheet. That's what I'm saying. That's not the bill itself. That was a that was somebody's description of it. But that's where I think it's you're going kind of out into the La Laville. Um, and your so buddy, and your buddy, by the way, Beto Bozo, um, Robert Francis, says that climate change is the greatest threat
threat this country faces. Do you agree with that? I think it's a pretty serious I didn't threat. ask you if you, you think know, it's serious. I asked you if you agree with Bozo that it's the greatest threat. Hey, wait, why, why do you keep adding that? Are you, you, it sounds to me like you're kind of afraid of him because you know. Afraid of him? Democrats won Texas the election. He's got over. like 2% in the polls and it's like he's. That's the problem so far. He's like 4%. But I'm telling you, you keep your eye out for him. I got to go. Okay. 800-941-SHAWN. Toll-free telephone number. We'll continue. Coming up next our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour. Sean Hannity Show, toll-free, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, clearly a lot's going on. I think the president is just taking his sweet time and letting the world know that this is going to be on his timetable. And, you know, remember, one of the reasons we are here is because the president was very clear with Iran. No, the years of Biden, Obama are over. We're not dropping cash to the tune of one hundred and fifty billion on your tarmacs after you threaten to wipe Israel off the map, wipe the United States off the map, burn our flags and chant death to America. Not going to happen. And so the president, through sanctions now, and of course the added defense of energy independence, well, now we are in the driver's seat in terms of what the response will be, when the response will happen, and, you know, what will the Trump doctrine end up looking like as it relates to Iran? Certainly it is. You will never get nuclear weapons. Um, Anyway, so I interviewed the president this week, and um, after his big announcement in Orlando, we talked about this and other subjects, and a lot of you have been asking, you know, for that interview on radio where you missed it, uh, here are some of the highlights of President Trump on with me this past week. Well, the media is not talking about Russia so much. You know, the Mueller report concluded that on Russia there was absolutely no collusion. And frankly, they led to the conclusion by our great attorney general that there was no obstruction. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard of. It's a hoax. It was a hoax, a witch hunt, but a hoax, the whole thing. Uh, Greg Jarrett said it very well when he named his book, The Russian Hoax. And uh, it, it is disgraceful that they're allowed. And they're very upset now because... It didn't turn out like they thought, because we did. We had 18 angry Democrats that hated Trump, and many of them contributed to Hillary's campaign. And it came out there was no collusion. So they don't. I don't hear Russia much anymore. You know, they've given up on that one. Uh, but, uh, you know, they, uh, they did something that is a disgrace. I, I will also say if the other side had won, if... Hillary won, uh, you would have, instead of being up almost 50% since election, 5 million jobs plus plus, 5 million jobs, that's unthinkable. If I would have said that we're going to create 5 million jobs in two and a half years, people would have said, how ridiculous. I would have been uh, skewered by the press. Uh, All of the things that have been uh, done, that we've done, nobody's seen it. Uh, We have the best and lowest unemployment rate for African-Americans, for Asians, for Hispanics. Nobody's ever seen numbers like this. We have the the best numbers on living standard for African-Americans, the best numbers that we've ever had in history. Uh, so many things are, I mean, just one thing after another. If the other side would have won, we would have gone into a depression. And we were headed that way. We were headed that way. The rules, regulations, we cut more regulations than any president. And unmeaningful regulation. We want regulation, but it's got to be meaningful. Uh, it stymied our country, Sean. We weren't able to do anything. Jobs numbers would have been a disaster. Instead, we have more people working today, almost 160 million people, than have ever worked in the history of our country. Think of that. That's a great number. So it's really been something. The other side you would have had, I really believe you would have had a crash. Well, we're now number one in the world in energy. It used to be Saudi Arabia, then Russia. Uh, It's now we're number one. And soon, as soon as I get the pipelines in Texas approved, which I'll do pretty quickly, it would have taken 10, 15 years. I'm going to have it done very quickly. We could increase our production by 30 and 40 percent in terms of sale. So it's... uh, you know, what, what we've done in the last two and a half years has been great. We've had a lot of great people, and they've worked hard. But the, the great people are the people of the country. They were, they were being strangled. You look at what we've done, just energy all, energy all over, all types of energy. LNG now is, 
We're the hottest in the world. There's nobody even close. So it's been an honor. It's been an honor. We freed it up. But you would have had, I really believe you would have had a depression or very close had the other side won. And my question to you is there really was some collusion, wasn't there? There was Russian interference. We know that. But we also had a bought and paid for Russian dossier. And we didn't look into that in the whole two plus years of Mueller. The media has ignored it. And even the New York Times suggesting that it was likely Russian misinformation from the get-go, the dossier. What are your thoughts about that? I think it's a disgrace. It's turned out to be totally discredited. Steele was sued by somebody, uh, I understand, a wealthy gentleman in, uh, in London. I hear that what was revealed was incredible, just a total phony deal. And yet they didn't look into any of that. One of the things that amazes me, because it's so simple and, you know, it's, uh, it's when you get right down to it, the whole thing is very simple, what happened. The fact is they were spying on my campaign, using agencies to, uh, intelligence agencies to do it, going after Page and Papadopoulos and probably others. I'm trying to, we're trying to find out whether or not they actually listened in on my calls. That'll be the... Uh, that would be the ultimate. We'll see what happens. I think if if that happened, we'll probably find out. We have a great attorney general who's working very hard, and we'll see what happens. I stay uninvolved. I like to stay uninvolved. But a lot of things are going to come out. I mean, if they spied on my campaign, and they may have, it will be one of the great revelations, revelations in in history of this country. And I will tell you... Uh, going to be very interesting. I think we're going to find out. Can you imagine if it were the other way around and I spied on President Obama's campaign? Could you imagine what the repercussions would be? Or I spied on Crooked Hillary's campaign. Can you imagine what the repercussions would be? Do you believe that there was a premeditated fraud committed against FISA court judges in these applications? Well, again, uh, people are looking into that. If you're asking just my opinion, I would say absolutely yes. It would seem to be yes. You know, when you get the struck page, the two lovers who uh, put right out on the public waves, I mean, they put the insurance policy. Well, we've been living through the insurance policy that she was going to win, but just in case she didn't win, we need an insurance policy. Well, that's to subvert government. What they did was unbelievable that they could do a thing like that. And they reported to McCabe, who I think is a terrible, terrible guy. And, you know, the FBI, you have some of the finest people in the world that you know that. And we say it all the time. And I'll bet you if we took a vote, <laughs> I'd be so high in that poll, you wouldn't even believe it. They're great people. I know so many. But uh, the top people were terrible. They were leakers. They were liars. I mean, look at the leaking and look at the lying. Comey admitted he leaked. Think of it. The top of the FBI, he leaked. And when you look at what went on, Sean, it's disgusting. But the whole concept of they want an insurance policy just in case she loses. The House committee, which I understand today was in a very... Uh, closed, confidential meeting with the wonderful Ho Pick. She's a wonderful person. She's been through hell. They put this young woman through hell. What She's had to pay for legal fees and everything else. I hear they were taking pictures of her, congressmen, two congressmen in particular that I see on television all the time. I won't mention their names. We don't want to make them any more famous. But two congressmen. But they were taking pictures of her oh, with grief. their cell phone and then leaking the pictures of her testifying. And this was in a closed room. Uh, look, it's out of control. These people are, are absolutely, you know, they use they use the word, it's a good word, I guess, unhinged. What's happened to the Democrats, and in the meantime, they're not doing any work in Congress. We could do legislation to lower drug prices very substantially, easily. We could do maybe almost like the thing we need the most quickly is border security. We've done an incredible job, but I have to do it myself. I can't get any, we can't get any votes from the Democrats. We can't get any votes. And infrastructure, we could do it so easily. But they're so busy interviewing Hope Hicks and taking pictures of this incredible young woman and putting the pictures out to the press of her testifying. And they're not allowed to do that. It's probably illegal. It's a terrible thing going on, John. 
But I have wanted you to declassify the 302s, declassify uh, all this information, the FISA applications, declassify the Gang of Eight, declassify exculpatory information. You have done so, but you gave it to the Attorney General. Why? Yes, because I think that he is uh, a very honorable gentleman who wants to do the right thing and he is allowed to under my agreement he's allowed to give it out to whoever he wants but i think it's really you know maybe some of this you need to have for purposes of other countries because i think other countries were involved i think they perhaps just based on what i'm seeing they used other countries because they didn't want to get caught doing what they were doing in this country you know that very well i, I didn't speak to russia Russia has, when I was winning in Wisconsin, when I was winning in Michigan and Pennsylvania and Ohio and Florida and all of these states, North Carolina, uh, the last person or group I ever thought of calling would be Russia. It's a hoax. It's a terrible hoax, and it should never happen to another president again because many of them would not be able to handle it. I don't care who they are. Many of them would not be able to handle it. Do you think Joe Biden could handle it? I mean, Joe Biden right now, he looks like he's got some big problems. But do you think, can you imagine if this happened to Joe Biden? It wouldn't be good. But it should never happen to another president what happened to me. And it should never happen. Nobody should ever allow this to go forward again. And people have to learn. There has to be a lesson taught. It has to be a lesson taught. Should never be allowed. So bad for our country. But, you know, Bob Mueller was conflicted because he wanted to be the head of the FBI, the director. Again, he was already there for 10 or 12 years. But he wanted to be, and I, I didn't allow that. I said no. I said it respectfully. Uh, we had a business dispute in the private life when he was out of the fbi we had a commercial business dispute i had a bit how about having a business dispute with somebody think of this and then he's supposed to be ruling on you uh but uh it was a business dispute and it was a nasty little dispute you know not the biggest one i've ever been in to be honest with you but we had a real business dispute so you look at that that's a total conflict of interest how can somebody where you have a dispute be ruling and his best friend or very close to it is Comey. And Comey played a big part in this because McCabe didn't do anything without Comey. McCabe was totally dominated by Comey. He did nothing. Andrew McCabe was a bad guy. But Andrew McCabe did nothing without calling Comey. Uh, he wouldn't, uh, there's an expression, he wouldn't go to the bathroom without getting Comey's approval. And so Comey's in. And Brennan, you take a look at Brennan, you talk over the horrible rhetoric, the horrible uh, the horrible words he used. He accused you of treason, sir. Describe. And then he said, well, I guess I was misinformed. You know, he was making all these predictions. And then when the, it said no collusion in the Mueller report, which is amazing because they had 18 people that, that were Hillary Clinton people that I, I think all of them actually were anti-Trump people in one form or another. Mr. President, just as an aside, you did have a constitutional authority under Article 2 with a conflict to fire Mueller, who would have been replaced. And I would absolutely add one thing. right. It will be I had absolutely Article 2 powers. I could have done anything I wanted. I don't even bring it up because we don't even get there. Absolutely, I have Article 2. We could have used that, and I wouldn't even have to bother talking to you about all of the other things. I wouldn't have to talk to you about conflicts. I could have fired Mueller for conflicts. I could have fired anybody, but I didn't want to do it because I said, let it play, play out. It's a hoax. It's a hoax. Uh, it's a disgrace. The and that they're allowed to go forward with, you know, interviewing people, having people like Hopix and others, having to pay for a new set of lawyers. Same question. They just went through it with the Mueller report.